mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 14. We're going to be beginning today in verse 7, although it might take us quite a while to get there. I have uh, just some review I'd like to do and some last thoughts on such a great subject that is here, the subject matter before us. If you'll remember, we are in the upper room, the disciples with Jesus, and in 13 and 14, uh, they're really still in the upper room. At the end of 14, we'll go out of the upper room. Uh, Judas has already left to go betray. Uh, in, in 15 through 17, we're going to go through lower Jerusalem, across the brook Kedron, and into the Garden of Gethsemane. And, it, and it's really interesting that, it, it, that the garden is... is is the place where all of life started, and then that's where Jesus will be arrested and betrayed uh, in chapter 18. And then 19, there's a mock trial, uh, and he'll be hung on a cross. In 20, he's going to raise from the dead. And then you're going to find him in 21 doing the same thing that he was already doing, fellowshipping with his disciples, having a meal with those whom, that love him. There's, they, and then he restores Peter of course, from his three denials that we see where he denies him three times, which is part of what happened when we closed out a couple lessons ago. They're, they have on their minds all these things that are going on. He's going to the cross. Um, he's going away. They don't understand what's going on. And he opens up with, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me in 14.1. Um, it, but notice, really, with 13 and 14, we see that there is no more public ministry. He's walked away from a nation that had rejected him, and he's going to spend the last night of his life ministering, comforting, speaking to, preparing them for what's getting ready to happen. And really, that's what he's doing with you and I, is that he's preparing us for what's getting ready to happen. We're being equipped even at this moment. Spending time with Jesus prepares us. It equips us. It, it helps us to grow and be prepared to be the bride of Christ and to go out and be witnesses. And he, and he would say to us, let not your heart be troubled or agitated. You believe in God, believe also in his Messiah, in his Son, in, in Christ himself. And so, um, back in the upper room, he's left the ministry of the nation. He come to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, he gave uh, the power to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, we were told in chapter 1. 
So he's here with just his disciples, the one he chose, right? The ones he chose, right? And he's ministering to them. He's washing their feet. He's giving them a pattern. He's giving them an example. Of course, that's chapter 13, but I'm doing a review. And then what happens? He separates. He separates them. Well, how's he do that, Greg? There's one in the room that is going to betray him, that his heart and mind and soul is still upon the world. He's, he's offering redemption, salvation of a soul, and, 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 and salvation or redemption is, is silver. And there's one in the room that still wants the silver of this world. His heart is trapped on this world, his own plans, his own ways. And so Jesus tells him, what you do, do quickly. And he goes out and it's night in his life. He's still being separated. And that's what the word of God does. That's what the washing of the feet does. That's what spending time with Jesus does. We are to be separate from the world. It's to separate us. And we're going to go one of two ways. We're going to receive the bread and have fellowship and be washed and cleansed and then follow him and continue to stay with him in the upper room. But Judas goes out and he goes and pursues his own pursuits. And they might look at him just like they said in John 6, 68. Where can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. And they see the salvation that's being offered. They see the new life that's being offered through repentance and belief in Christ. And they stay in the upper room. And they stay there with him. And what happens then, Greg? Well, notice that because they draw near, because they stay, because they know that he is life, he gives them more. He's revealing more. And that's what he's really going to do. He's going to say, listen, I'm here to comfort you. I'm going to the cross to die, but I'm going to comfort you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then what? He tells them more about the kingdom. See, when you stay, when you're there to grow, when you come there with a heart to receive the fullness of your salvation and be washed and cleansed and become the bride of Christ, he keeps telling you more. He keeps revealing more. Why is that, Greg? Because we're supposed to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we go off and we pursue the silver of this world, we pursue our own plans, we're not growing in intimacy with God. We're growing in intimacy with another voice. We're growing in intimacy with the devil and the world and sin and Satan. And we want to grow with Christ, so we have to stay at the table with him. We have to make this our daily bread. And then what does he do? He reveals that the Father's house has many dwelling places. See, that this is, you, it's going to go on here. It's happening here. You're separating here. You've got a different heart now, a different plan now. You're being washed and cleansed with the washing of the water through the word now because you're hearing truth. And the more truth that you, the more time you spend with him, the more truth he reveals. And he says, guess what? I'm not going to leave you here. In my father's house are many dwelling places. And I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That where I am, I will come to you again. I'm not reading it. I'm just quoting it. And I don't even know if I'm doing it perfectly, but I'm paraphrasing. He's coming back to take the chosen home. Those that are still drawing near. Those that are believing in him and trusting in him. 
and he keeps revealing. What do they do? They ask questions, and he's revealing more and more and more. Now, listen, I, I, I know it says mansions, but we've got to get a proper perspective, a heavenly perspective. Think about this for a minute. Translating that word to mansions is a physical, earthly perspective. It's a dwelling place for your spirit. Just like this earthly tent is a dwelling place for your spirit now, where you can be tested and tried and go through suffering and pain to decide if you're going to stay in fellowship with Jesus or you're going to go out and pursue your own thing and say, well, he never done nothing for me. I tried God. I was praying and he never did it for me. He didn't do anything. Listen, he died on a cross for us. If he never does anything else, he already took our death for us. If he never, ever, ever does anything else, heaven would be enough. Not to go to hell would be enough. But he longs for us to be in intimacy with him, to come to know him, to sit down with him, to eat food with him, to sup with him, and he can keep revealing himself to us. What does he do after they hear that? Then he says that he's the father. The, me and the father are one. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He keeps revealing more and more to those who stay at the table with him. That's why I'm always encouraging people, get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Make this the number one thing in your life, the first thing in your life, the first thing in your day, the first thing in your week, not legalistically, but relationshiply. Because the word know is the word gnoskos, and it's talking about a spiritual intimacy with God. It's talking about bearing fruit with God. And, and the word is used in the physical sense where we have children and we have physical families where we bear fruit of the womb. But in a spiritual sense, it's talking about us bearing fruit of Christ's likeness, becoming like our husbandmen, becoming like Christ, which is the whole will of God. He created us in his image and then sin entered the garden well how did sin in the garden eve was intimate with another voice the same intimacy she listened to somebody else's words she listened to what the devil was communicating and she went out the same way judas went out of the upper room she went out of fellowship with god and began to be intimate with another voice and it gave us an inheritance of death. It brought about death. And listen, many people would go, oh, I, it ain't my fault, Adam and Eve. No, you do the same thing every day. You know Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, and you still step aside and get in the flesh and walk out of intimacy with God. So we all would do it. God's just showing us our nature, and that's why he came and died on a cross to take the full punishment and now he's leading us and he's taking the full power away and then he's taking the practice away so that one day he can take us from the very presence of this sin, this sin nature. And sin still has pleasure, but he's removing that pleasure as he shows us our own ugliness. But you have to agree with him. You have to let him wash your feet and wash and cleanse you. And you have to stay at the table. So many people walk away from the table and say, well, I'm not having, no, this isn't working. I'm just going to go do my own thing. And I already said a prayer, so I'll be okay. And if I die, then it's no big deal. And they just go off instead of understanding and growing. And see, and I'm convinced that the dwelling places, and this is my opinion, 
I'm convinced that the dwelling places is just our new body. Listen to me. I'm convinced that the dwelling places, right now we have our spirit in a body down here for this environment, and we're going to go into heaven. We're going to go into a new environment. We're going to rule and reign in a millennial kingdom, and he's just going to give us a permanent dwelling place forever where our spirit will dwell at. And those choices that we're making down here is building that house. And he's praying at the right hand of the Father for us, interceding for us. He's led the way for us. He's the example. He's the forerunner. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he's trying to encourage us. He even sends the Spirit back to fill us to lead us in the right direction. In fact, the Bible calls that this Holy Spirit. When it comes in you, it calls it the guarantee. It calls it the sealing. It's the guarantee that you are the bride of Christ. But then the Holy Spirit is the one that's washing you, cleansing you, and adorning you, and building that spiritual house, preparing it, laying up those treasures according to how you're eating, according to the works you're doing. Listen to me. It's, it's very uh, 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 clear in the scriptures as you go through and study it that we're laying up treasures now in heaven, that our citizenship is in heaven, that everything that's going to go on now because we know Jesus is in heaven. We're seated with him in heavenly places and we're building our own house, but God's doing it with his hands. It's an eternal house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavenlies. But the Holy Spirit is preparing us as the bride. So it's washing us, cleansing us, adorning us like a bride would. Think about the analogy that's going on. A bride gets engaged, and that's what we are. We're betrothed to Christ, and then begins to spend all the time from that date to the date when they're going to be betrothed. We don't know the day or the hour. You would know it if you were doing it physically. They spend that time slimming down, getting rid of the excess flesh getting the dress ready, getting the adornment ready, planning all the things for the banquet, everything that needs to be done to become that bride that walks down the aisle with her husband, or by herself, actually, the attention's all on her, and, and people going, whoa, man, woman, look at that woman walking down the aisle already. Listen, that's why when Christ comes, we don't want to be ashamed. We want him washing and cleansing us. We don't want to be walking down that aisle with stuff all over our face and things in our hands going, I was chasing the world. I was living this way. Listen, and they, so they might wonder, well, wait a minute, you're going away. You're coming back. Then how are we going to know? And he says, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. In 14.6. He doesn't say, there is a way, follow me. He says, I am the way, follow me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. See, it's not just one way, it's the only way. It's not just a way, he's the only way. And not just one truth, the only truth. We talked about this last week. Not just one life, but he is the resurrection and the life. And no one can get to the Father except through Him. There's, there's no way to get to the Father except through Him. Now listen, I want you to see this. We covered this on Friday night, but I'm going to cover it again. If you look over in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, is where we'll start. I, I would love to cover the whole chapter. You have to go back and get the tape when we 
covered this chapter. Uh, it's, there's a tape on it. But the whole chapter is about resurrection. The whole chapter is about resurrection. And Paul talks about dying daily because you have to die to what you want to do daily. Listen to me. What you have alive in your life is what you're going to pursue. And it's what's going to train your heart. And if your plans to get ahead in life are at the head of your the, the forefront of your thinking is, is to get and keep up with the Joneses, then your heart's going to grow in worldliness. And that's why Paul would get up and he says, I die daily because my calling, I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And now the only thing I'm supposed to do is to continue following the example and the work of what Jesus was doing. And Jesus came to save souls. And the pattern was he died to himself. The pattern was he laid down his power and his throne. The pattern was he washed other people's feet. He loved one another and he went out to glorify the father. So Paul sees that, Paul does that, and he lays down his life daily, he says in 1531. Uh, and then in 32, he says, if, if in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Quoting Isaiah uh, 2213. Listen, if all we're supposed to do is say a prayer and then eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die, we're a pitiful people. But we're not supposed to. And so the next verse is verse 33. Look at this, 1533. And I'm going to do it quickly, but I want you to see this. And we've been doing this for about three weeks, covering this chapter and covering John 14. They all go together. Listen, he's talking about resurrection. He's talking about rising from the grave. He's talking about not eat, drinking, and be merry, but dying daily and entering into the work of God so that you can go in the resurrection of life. And he says next, do not be deceived. The same thing that Jesus said to the boys when they said, when are all these things going to happen? And he said, planeo, not planeo. Planeo me planeo. Do not be deceived. Listen to me. So many people are deceived into following themselves, following the world, following the plans that they have. They go out of the upper room just like Judas did, and it's dark. It's night. They don't see the, the revelation of Scripture and the truth of God, and they go out and it's night because their hearts are still pursuing what they want to do. They're still alive. Instead of crucified with Christ. Listen to me. It's so important that you understand this. He says to them, do not be deceived. It's planeo. It means to be seduced into roaming from safety. And that's what happens is we begin to follow our own plans instead of being led by the Holy Spirit of promise. Well, why the Holy Spirit of promise? Because it's the seal. The Holy Spirit is the down payment or the dowry. It's the supplies that we have to prepare us as the bride for the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that's what we should be doing this entire time after we come to know Jesus is preparing our life to be married to our husband at the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that means being washed and cleansed, being in fellowship and in intimacy, bearing fruit with Christ, becoming more like his image. He says here, do not be deceived. Then there's a colon and it says, 
Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, why is this in the middle of something about resurrection? Listen to me. Worthless, worthless. This is intrinsically. See, there's two different words for evil in the Bible. One is intrinsically, and one is just the effect. Like you can see something that's evil, and it can affect you differently, but when it's intrinsic, it's your character. And there's people that are of the spirit of Antichrist, and intrinsically, they are evil. They're here only to make you stumble. They're here only to lie to you and confuse you and get you to think that all you have to do is say a prayer and you're done. But notice what it says. And the word really in the King James is, is evil communications. Listen, if you look it up, it's not company, although it can be company. It's also companionship. But it, it, it's really talking about the communication. Well, why is it talking about communication? Listen to me. Because my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. They're being prepared to be my bride. They're following me down the aisle. They're following me to my father's house. They're following me back away from the world and being separate. And the communications is the voice you're listening to. What voice, evil communications, worthless communications is the mediums. It's the TV channels. It's channeling by some other spirit a whole bunch of fear, a whole bunch of sickness, a whole bunch of pain, a whole bunch of roadmaps that, 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 that make wings and they fly away toward heaven, but they don't get to heaven. It's a bunch of spirit of Antichrist that is communicating a lie to you and wants you to marry them and become intimate with them and bear fruit that goes with them instead of the word of God, which is the way, the truth, and the life. And in order to be clothed properly as God's bride, you have to remain in fellowship with him. Does he provide if you mess up? Of course. He's a loving father who sent his son. And he says, if you blow it and you sin, confess it. Just agree with me that it was wrong and I will wash and cleanse you more and more and more. I'm faithful and just to forgive you. But the point is not to just say a prayer and run off and do what you want and be deceived by evil communication. It's not a, it's not a mistake that everything you look at on TV has lies in it. It's not a mistake that everything going on on our planet has lies in it. It's not a mistake that the enemy's trying to rob, kill, and destroy you and get you to listen to his voice, his communication, his books, his magazines, his music, his mediums, his TV, his news. They've got it on your phones. They tell you when you can breathe the air or not. They've got it on your phones. They tell you when you need to be afraid and hide in your basement. They got it on your phones. They tell you when you're sick. They got it on your phones, your medical. Everything's being run and telling you what to do. What are you communicating with? Demon spirits, evil spirits, spirit of Antichrist, or are you being led by the spirit of promise? As many as are led by the Holy Spirit, by God's spirit, these are the children of God. And they don't hear the evil communication. They learn to hear his voice and they can recognize the lie. 
and they can take it captive and they can cast it out. They can take it captive and go, even though I feel like I'm afraid and I might be sick, I'm still going to listen to God's voice and he's got me. I can trade my sorrow. I can trade my sickness. I can trade my pain. I can trade my shame because he paid for it perfectly. And I can trust him to get me across the finish line. I don't have to let my heart be troubled. I believe in God. Yes, the demons do and trembled. But where does it come in at? Obedience. Now believe also in me. Believe in what Jesus has done, the pattern he's laid, that he is not just the Messiah, but he is the way, the truth, and the life. Believe that, trust that, commit to that, and allow the Holy Spirit to wash and cleanse you because there's the evil communication that all it does is destroy. The word corrupts here is the word corrupts here. Uh, uh, is the word that means to spoil, to ruin, to, sw- to, to shrivel up. And it's talking about your moral manners, your moral truth, not your physical manners. Listen to me, because it's so sad that today in the church, if you have a nice set of clothes and you can say, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, ma'am, and please, and, and, and you have a job and, and you pay your mortgage, then people think that you're saved. That's deception. That's part of the communication of the evil antichrist spirit that you have to keep up with the Joneses. And these are the things that are more important. No, this is a spiritual God with a spiritual kingdom that's a spiritual book and it's a spiritual communication where you have to be still and sit down and pray and listen to what he's saying to the church. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit would say to the church the ecclesia, the called out ones, those that are being separated and adorned to be the bride, that are doing the witnessing and the work to glorify God. This is serious stuff because the church has completely walked away apostate. They're using programs. They're using the business buildings and budgets and everything else except for the Holy Spirit. And then they would say something bad about somebody that is being led by the Spirit, that is testifying of Jesus in the streets, that is still telling people to come home and be married to Jesus. Then they make them the bad guy. That's more evil communication that continues to cause confusion. And then you go, I don't know who to listen to, so I'm just going to go do my own thing. Well, why don't you know who to listen to? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And the Spirit of God has given us 66 books by 40 authors and told us everything that we need to know. So you begin to pray and ask God, and then everything that God's telling you to do, you discern between the spirits. And you go, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with what my Bible says the character and the nature and the will of God is. That lines up with what the world's doing. That lines up with the silver coin and the gold coin. It doesn't line up with redemption. It doesn't line up with rapture. It doesn't line up with him coming back to get me. It doesn't line up with me being washed and cleansed and dying to myself. I have a right. Listen, you don't have any rights. You don't have any rights. We have a constitution. You're not under a constitution. Your citizenship's in heaven. You're underneath the spirit of God. Listen to me, we have to wake up because you enter into a physical battle and you're going to die in a physical battle. 
but we're down here and the war is already won and it was a spiritual battle. And now we're just standing the ground and being adorned as the bride and we're telling other people the truth. That's all we're called to do. We're not called to save a world. It's already been saved. God already loved it. God already died for it. God already paid for all the sin. There's no salvation needed except for Jesus and Jesus' name. And he said that's the only way that anybody's getting back to the Father. The only way. And really, Father is something so you and I can understand it, but it's really just the generator, the procreator of all of this, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that's Jesus himself. That's, they, they are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three are one. They're the same. And he's revealing more of this to us. But he says here that it corrupts your moral manners, good moral manners. Well, what's that? It's following Jesus. It's being led by the Spirit of God, not by the world and its manners. You know, their manners change. Their manners change all the time. The world's standards change constantly. Laws change constantly. Have you noticed that? See, their moral standard used to be that homosexuality was, was, a, was, a, was a sickness. Now their moral standard is, is you have to accept it. So that evil communication is corrupting, decaying, spoiling what you already know to be true. And that salvation of that soul is going to be laid to the wayside because now we don't get to talk about it. But sin is still sin. God hasn't changed. And you're like, well, why are you talking about what? I'm talking about any sin. But these are the ones that are prevalent. It used to be that God hated divorce, but now you can divorce anybody you want for any reason you want. You can divorce anybody. You don't have to be even faithful to your boss or anybody. I have a right. Really? In the church? We're dead. We're only being a witness of what Jesus did to save the world. Everything else is part of the trial, part of the testing, part of what is going on in the storm. And when you get your eyes on the storm and you try to control the storm and fight the storm, you're fighting God. He's bringing the storm so that you'll die and trust him more and more every day that he's going to get you to the other side. So he says in 34 of 1 Corinthians 15, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the gnoskos, the intimacy of God. We think we do. We've been lied to. We've listened to evil communication, but we've done nothing but walk out of the upper room and out of fellowship and go pursue silver just like Judas did. And so he says, some do not have the gnoskos of God. It's actually the word agnosia. But it means not the knowledge. It means we're ignorant of the knowledge of God. And then he says, I speak this to your shame. He's, to your confusion is a better word for it. Because when you don't listen to the voice of God and you listen to all the earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom and all the other bad communication that comes from all the spirits and the mediums and everything else that's going on, when you listen to that, all it is is confusion by mixing. It's Babylon. It's just there to confuse you. 
We only have one teacher. We only have one Lord. We only have one king. We only have one book. We only have one spirit leading us. And we only have one purpose here. And that's the ministry of reconciliation of souls. Glorifying God as we witness. Listen to me. So then he goes on to talk about how the dead are raised. He goes on to talk about there being different bodies that things are in, birds, and, and, there's, and, 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 and the glory of one is this and the glory of another is that. He actually talk, talks about celestial bodies that are above in the heavenlies, talking of angels and beings that God has created. He talks about terrestrial, which is earthbound. And then he says over here, because I'm trying to get to our memory verse, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Do you have his spirit? Do you have life? Listen, he's the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. That was verse 46. Look, verse 47 of 1 Corinthians 15. The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And really that's terrestrial, the same word. And, is, and as is the heavenly man, celestial man, so also are those that are celestial or heavenly. Your mind is in heavenly places. Your mind is on heavenly things. Your mind is being led by the Spirit who knows the deeper things of God and can reveal the intimacy and further clothe you in Christ. 49, this was our memory verse last week. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. We're putting on, we're being clothed in. And then he says in 50, listen again, now this I say, do not be deceived, not there, but it needs to be there. Brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption, our corrupt bodies, that's sins, it's weak, it's broken, it hurts, it's painful, it's dying. The corrupt body inherit incorruption which is the heavenly body. It's our heavenly dwelling place. That's what he's talking about. It's going to be the new body. that He says in a twinkling of an eye in a moment, the corruption will put on incorruption. Listen, we're going to put on the new body in a twinkling of an eye. It's a new dwelling place for our spirit that we will be with Christ forever in that body. Flip a few more pages. I'm going to keep going uh, and just we'll, we'll, catch up to our text in a minute it's second corinthians chapter five he's speaking again another letter to the same church in corinth there's actually four of them there's actually four letters we only have two of them and this is probably second and fourth not 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 first and second but for order in the bible they name them first and second and he says in five one for we know listen for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, our earthly dwelling place, it's a tent. It's not permanent. It's actually just like a tent out in the wilderness. The same thing that uh, John tells us about Jesus. He came and pitched his tent among us, dwelt among us. If it's destroyed, corrupted, perishes, we have a building, a dwelling place from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
For in this we groan, in this earthly tent we groan, earnestly desiring, are you desiring to be clothed with our dwelling place which is from heaven? See what, what, see what he's saying there in verse 2? If indeed having been clothed, if indeed we really believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit has put a garment upon us and give us the sealing of the down payment, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, listen, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. Listen to me. What does that mean? That means finish the race. That means get to the finish line, get to heaven where we get our dwelling place not made with hands. That's supposed to be the heart of a saint. That we're not groaning and hanging on to this down here, but we're desiring to get to heaven. To be further clothed with our righteousness, our, our dwelling that's not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. The one that Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Our hearts should be focused on being further clothed in righteousness, in the image of Christ, washed and cleansed by the Holy Spirit, being adorned as this bride. When we begin to get this eternal perspective that we're being changed from glory to glory, that we're being putting on Christ's likeness and, and we're getting ready for that wedding that's going to happen and consummate the marriage in heaven, then we can get busy about what God wants to do by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life because he's given us all gifts and talents and abilities and we're supposed to be working together, washing one another's feet and being a perfect example of Christ to a dead and dying world. And yet we're all doing our own little scattered things instead of being the body of Christ that's led by the Spirit of God and being further clothed. What does he say finishing up for there? Why are we wanting further clothed? That mortality, our terrestrial, our physical life, our flesh may be swallowed up by life. Well, what is life? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He wants us to be more like him, which will be, as we see him in heaven, we'll be just like him because we'll be perfected. Doesn't mean we'll be a God. We'll be the bride of Christ. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. He's preparing us, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. See, that spirit is the down payment. It's the dowry. It's the dowry that we're supposed to be allowing to adorn us and prepare us and further clothe us and get us across the finish line. Now, back in uh, 1 Corinthians, when it says we have born the image of the man of dust. The word born, which sounds like somebody being born, but it means to wear as clothing and to be constantly accompanied by. See, that's what we were before salvation, but now we're going to bear the image of the heavenly man. So we should be constantly clothed with him, with his image, with his spirit. And nobody's going to do it perfectly but it should always be our mindset 
that I die daily. I'm going to get up and I want to do the will of God. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to understand the Word of God. I want Him to reveal Himself more to me. And that's what's going on in 14. After the last enemy, the only son of perdition that died goes out of the room. Now he can share with those who he's intimate and acquainted with that's going to be his bride one day in heaven. And he shares more revelation. He shares more about it. And that's where we're going back to. There's a whole bunch more I could go to. A lot of other texts we can look at uh, to understand this. But know that evil communication, there's earthly, central, demonic wisdom out there that's being communicated. They have even schools of indoctrination that try to tell you that they know something. And what they know is not Christ. It's not what will grow you up in Christ-likeness, but it's what will keep you down here, earthbound. And you'll never get your celestial body that way. Let's go back to John 14. Fourteen. Six, he tells him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. After Thomas asks, asks a great question, how can we know? Now, 14.7. Keep in mind, 6b. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Salvation in no other name. Back into the family of God in no other name. No other way. Seven. If you had known me, Gnoskos, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray. Father, we want to draw near. We want to receive with meekness the implanted word for the continued saving of the soul adorn us as a bride prepare us for the wedding supper of the lamb give us a desire to be further clothed and to tell others the truth of what you've done for us what you're doing and what you're going to do thank you pour out your spirit in Jesus' name amen so after Jesus telling him he is the way the truth and the life Thomas asking the question he continues to expound on it in verse 7. 6 being the number of men. 7 is, is how we're being completed. 8 is the new beginning. 
uh, where we're having intimacy and questioning and reasoning with God, and God continues to reveal himself to us uh, in our relationship. So seven, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Now that sounds like, oh, you don't know me. But he goes on to further say, and from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, there's a lot of the word, and if you looked at this, it's, it's all through here, the word gnoskos. Again, gnoskos is learning to know, coming to know by experience, but it's a word for uh, uh, sexual intercourse and intimacy with God in the spiritual realm. It's not dirty. It's not bad. When it's in the marriage bed, it is clean and enduring. And that's what it's made for in the marriage bed. Just like in the physical realm, you're allowed to have sexual relation in the marriage bed. It's undefiled. In the spiritual realm, you have the same thing going on. And we've taken this and turned it into terrible physical stuff. But intercourse is social intercourse where you're hearing and having communication and reasoning with God. And as you listen to his truth and you take the lie captive, you bear fruit of truth because he is truth. You bear fruit that, that is just like him. It's the natural law of sowing and reaping. If you believe truth, you're going to bear fruit of truth and you're going to walk in truth following the author and the finisher of your faith, your husband. And so this is an intimacy, it's a relationship that's going on. Why is it so important that he talks about the Father? Listen, we're going to be delivered back over to the Father at the end of the age. He's going to take all things and deliver them back over to the Father. The Father had the plan. The Father sent the Son. The Son comes down and he perfectly repeats everything that the Father told him. The same way that he was sent... Christ now sends you and me and we're supposed to learn and hear and go in the power of the spirit and speak what Christ said, which is the message that come from the father, right? Because they're all one. These three are one. We're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit the same way Jesus did. He, he, he was God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, but he was the son but everything that he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always working together as one. And that's the way the body of Christ is the pattern. We're supposed to be working together as one with the same purpose, the same mind of Christ to go out and see souls one. But if we have different messages and we're listening to different communication, instead of my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me, that's why there's so much division among us. They make up their own little gospel. They listen to deceiving spirits. They have a form of godliness which denies the power thereof. And they're, and they're listening to the resisting of Janus and Jambres, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And they just do whatever feels good and gets people in the room. And they make them twice the sons of hell than what they were before because they think they're okay because they dress good and they say thank you and yes and they, and they put some money in the tithe box. None of those things are God, is God interested in. God is interested in the intimacy that we have with him personally and then giving ourselves away. He says, if you're married to me, listen, he's going to say it in 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, not for salvation, but because of salvation. Listen, commandments is in tole. It is a authoritative prescription. 
It's not, a, it's not an accident that we're being deceived by pharmacy. It's not an accident that we're being deceived by lies. It's not an accident that we're running to the pharmacy for everything that ails us when we've already been saved by Christ. It's because we're listening to evil communications and we don't know where our help comes from. And we don't know that it's okay to get to the finish line because then you get your crown and you lay them down at the feet of Jesus, and you get further clothed. You get your new body, your new house that's eternal in the heavenlies, not made with hands. Even Moses knew this. He tells us about it in Hebrews 11. He gave up all of the riches of, of Egypt. He was raised in Pharaoh's household. He gave all of that away to go live with his people and be separate from the world. Because he was looking for the house not made with hands, eternal in the heavenlies. He wanted to know God and have an intimacy with God and not with the lies of this world and the things of this world. What are you looking for? What are you searching for? Look, because he said, if you'd known him, if you had intimacy with him, if, and so now I'm, he's revealing that I, me and the Father are one, Philip says in verse 8, I like Philip, uh, lover of horses, fond of horses. It could mean, because the Bible uses horses in an analogy as power, it could mean that Philip is fond of his own power, fond of his own strength. I don't know. A lover of his own strength. But here he's making a new beginning and he's asking a question of God. Because God's not afraid of your questions. If you do them in the Spirit, He wants you to learn. He wants you to pray. He wants you to ask. He wants you to grow. And He says this, Philip says to Him, Lord, just show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And what does Jesus say? Have I been with you so long, and you have not known me? And He uses His name, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Notice what he reveals. He reveals that they're one. He reveals they're the self-same person. He's already revealed it before, but they aren't listening because they're so busy with other things. Look in uh, uh, 10, John 10, 30. Let me just show you a couple of things, and then we'll go to a, a, another text. But John 10, 30, he looks right at him, and he said, I and my Father are one. Right? In 1711 of John, he's going to say this. In 1711, he says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those who you have given me, that they may be one as we are. He wants us to be one as He is. He wants us to be one with them in purpose, in the ministry of reconciliation of souls, in, in spirit because the Spirit's leading us, in word, in doctrine, in the kingdom as citizens. And not trapped down here, seeking to go out and it be night and dark. Listen. Listen, God is a spirit, and no one has seen God. But what happens? God does this supernatural thing. If you see God, you're going to die. And what does He do? 
He sends, he comes down in his own son, fruit from his own life. He, here's Jesus. Look at what is it? One, one eighteen, John one eighteen. I'm sorry, we're doing the Bible sword drills. I think you have to. You have to look at this to get better understanding and have it revealed to you. We covered this uh, months ago. One eighteen. No one has seen God at any time because they'll die. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom, He's the heart of God, of the Father, has declared Him. He's in the, he's in the bosom. He's the heart of God. He has declared Him. And that word declared means this, to consider out loud, to lead out. It means to speak and to come down and, and declare His heart who the Father is. So when you see Jesus and His loving kindness, His goodness, His sacrifice, His, His He died for us, the Father did too. It was the Father's plan. They're one in this plan. They're together in this plan, and the Spirit is completing it in you and me if we do not resist Him and quench Him and grieve Him and insult Him. Reject him, not allow his life to be our way, not allow his words to be our, our, our direction, our truth, but we listen to evil communication. I was thinking about it, and I probably, it's probably more than our minds can handle, but listen to me, and it's crazy. I probably shouldn't say it, but I will. My wife would tell me not to probably, but there I go. Like uh, where angels fear to tread, I rush in and there I am. I was thinking about if you look at it in the physical and you don't want to have children, what do you do? You use a condom. You do something to stop the relationship from happening and bearing fruit. You take a pill. They've got the new one over the counter now just to kill kids instantly. You don't have to bear no fruit, even though the first command of God was to go and bear fruit, be fruitful and multiply. And then what, Greg? Train them. Teach them to love me. That's what this is all about. So what do you do when you don't want to hear God? You just, you just put a condom on. You just resist the Spirit, ignore the Spirit. You grieve the Spirit. You lie to the Spirit. I don't want to hear the Word of God. I don't want to bear fruit. I don't want to do anything but what I want to do. And listen, you're not going to bear fruit. You're always going to bear death. You're going to kill the work of God, and He died so that we could live. Not, not, not you live so you can die. He died so we could live. And we put on this spiritual condom. We don't want to bear any fruit. We might have to do something. I want to chase the world. I want to live in death. We need to wake up to righteousness because he doesn't want us to die. He wants us to live. And if you love him, he wants you to obey his commandments. Listen, it's not for salvation. Even, uh, even in Ephesians uh, um, 2, 8, and 9, think about it. You're saved by faith through grace and that not of yourself it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast but the very next verse everybody leaves out you are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works that you would walk in them good habits good manners good works they all come by god when you listen to the correct communication when you listen to the right voice you will go out and bear fruit 
When you listen to the wrong voice, you're going to bear death just like Eve did. She listened to evil communication that was against God. It raised itself up against the knowledge of God, the intimacy with God, and it created death. So Philip, he has this, he's just like, just show us the Father. It'll be sufficient. It'll be, uh, uh, it means satisfactory. We'll be content. It'll be enough, Jesus. Just show us the Father. And he says, have I been emi? Emi? It's the word emi. Have I, I am him is what he's saying. It's the word for I am, except ego is not there. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says, ego emi. He says, have I been a me so long and you have not known me? He's saying it's me. He is the Father. They're one in different representations. They're all God in three persons. And I don't know how to make you understand it or get you to understand it. I just believe the word of God. So I just know that it's real. Look at Hebrews 1. We'll look at a couple verses. Let's better understand this. Hebrews 1 is the first one. That proves that they're one. The three are one. The Trinity. El is God in the Hebrew. Elo is dual God. Elohim is the word used in Genesis when he says, let us make God in our image or make man in our image. It's the plural God. But look at one three. Well, let's just do it. Let's just read one one. God, who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets and has in these last days spoken. It's finished. No more to say to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. In other words, he, he, Jesus inherited everything from the kingdom and he makes you and I joint heirs. He gives it to us by marriage, kinsman, redeemer. We get everything that Adam lost in the garden back. Look at verse uh, three. Oh, to be through him, he, he also made the worlds. Who being, verse 3 is where I wanted to get you, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image icon of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much more than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So listen, he is the brightness. He's the express image of the person and is seated at the right hand, making intercession for you and me. Look at the book of Colossians. Colossians, we'll start in chapter one, Colossians. Listen, these three are one. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that is in us. God lives in us and is washing and cleansing us. But when we resist Him, it's like putting on a spiritual condom so no fruit can be there. When you quench Him, you grieve Him, you insult Him, you lie to Him, and you say, no, not right now, I'm busy. 
and you keep listening to evil communication from all the other liars, the only thing that can be reaped from that is death. But he has said, don't let your heart be troubled. I have a a new dwelling place for your spirit in heaven. I'm going to come and get you, and you can live there for eternity with me. But you have to begin to listen to what I'm saying. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, that's qualified. Because then after that, next week, we're going to get into some really amazing stuff. He says, he says it, 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 that he's going to go away and he's going to give us another. And it's another just like him. It's the Holy Spirit of promise that he will be with you and in you. And it's a spirit that we can receive that the world can't receive. It gets really amazing where he begins to teach us and he comes and dwells in us and lives. And we'll get to that next week. But look at 115 of Colossians. He's talking about Jesus and his redemption. Same message again that we just read in Hebrews. His redemption in 114. uh, In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. But then in 15 he says, Jesus, he is the image, the icon of the invisible God. Listen, it's impossible to see God. No one has seen him, and if you see him, you'll die. But then God does the impossible because all things are possible with God. How did he do it, Greg? He come to earth and took flesh, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The heart of God was declared to us. He spoke out loud and became a person and walked among us and died for us. He's the image of the invisible God, really. The firstborn over all creation. He was before Adam, the first Adam was ever born. He was already existent. He's the ancient of days. But he took flesh 2,000 years ago and become a baby in a virgin womb. Because God can bear fruit from a virgin womb. He's God. He speaks things into existence. And then he goes on to say all things were created. Now look again at chapter 2. And I want to start with verse 8. Well, 2, 2, 8. Because I want to give you this warning one more time. He's telling us everything about Jesus. He's telling us how to be clothed and adorned as a bride, how to walk out our salvation, how to stand. And he says this again in 2.8, beware, it's a warning sign that you're deceived. Beware, lest anyone cheat you. The word is spoil in the King James. You know how you spoil a child instead of training them in the way that they're supposed to go? Instead of being led by the Spirit, you begin to listen to evil communications and you're spoiled. If you don't train them in the way that they go, you give them everything that they want and you just go, I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die. That will spoil you and you'll end up dead. You'll end up stinking. You'll end up mortified. How do they spoil you, Greg, or cheat you? Spoil means to seduce or to lead away or to rob. And that's what the enemy comes to do with his evil communication, with his other voice, with his earthly, central, demonic wisdom. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. See, this was one of our memory verses. Philosophy, you know what it is? Philosophy is really the love of wisdom. But it's not God's wisdom. Listen. It's earthly, central, demonic wisdom. It's the love of knowledge. It's not God's knowledge. Because Jesus is the wisdom of God. And if we love Jesus, we wouldn't be cheated. If we love what God says, the truth, 
we wouldn't be cheated. So he's warning us against the other voice, the evil communication, and empty deceit, vain, empty deception. That's all that is. It's empty deceit. Vain, empty deception. Delusion is what the word means. Delusionness. According to what? What's it according to? What does it follow? The traditions of this world. The traditions of this world. That means things that have been orderly arranged. The traditions of men. Not God. Men. Earthly, central, demonic wisdom. According to the basic principles of this world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. And look, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells, lives permanently. Look, dwells, it's our dwelling places again. All the fullness of the Godhead physically, bodily. Listen, all the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because they're one. Right now, he's Jesus. He's walking with them. But the Spirit's leading him. The Father has sent him. Every word that he's speaking come from the Father. They're all three acting together for the salvation of souls. And verse 10 again. You are complete, finished, in him who is the head. He has all authority of all principality and power. You're complete in Christ. But when you listen to evil communication, you choose by your own free will to walk away just like Eve did. When, it, when it's a, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. Well, I think I need to go get this. I think I need to do this. I think I need to do this. Wait a minute. You're complete in Christ. Everything you need. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You can trust him for everything. These three are one. They're acting together. They agree together. If you looked in 1 John 5, 7, I'm not going there. We're going to go back to our text and go back to John and continue finishing this. But I want you to see that what he's trying to do is keep revealing more and more truth. He uncovers it. He wants us to grow and to be further clothed and not confused, but to trust him and commit to him more and keep following him, knowing that there's nowhere to go. He has the words of eternal life. I always laugh because if you do the acrostic for eternal life, it's E-L. Well, what's E-L? It's God in Hebrew. I love stuff like that. My brain just goes crazy over stuff like that. But see, that's what they're doing today. They're using all of these, these letters, these acrostics, and that's what they're using. But God's already fixed all of that. Even when he says, ask, seek, and knock, he spelled the word knock with a K, and, and it means to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and the acrostic is ask, A-S-K, which is what it's talking about. It's aito in the, in the Greek. It's prayer. It's coming to him and trusting him as a husband, as a father, as a life-giving spirit. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Where are you going for your help? Where are you going for your help? You know, that, that when you... I, I, 
made this joke this week, and it's not even a joke because it's sad. When you have the LGBTQ agenda, they left out the vows. And that's what a true marriage has is vows that says, I will, I do. And you agree with your, each other. That's what Romans 10, 9, and 10 is, is a wedding vow where you both agree to do something at the same time. And they leave out all the vows because they're not going to vow to God. They're not going to commit to God. They're not going to covenant with God. So there is no vow to anything except for self. And they just keep making all these little fancy letters with no vows. No commitment, no trust. And I don't even want to talk about those things. I want to talk about sin and righteousness and judgment because that's what we're going to learn in chapter 16 that the church is supposed to be doing, that the Holy Spirit is doing and leading us to do is to speak to people about truth so that they know that we're sinners. Christ paid for our sin and we can have righteousness when we receive it because there's going to be a day of judgment. That's really what all of this courtroom is about. And we've been called to be witnesses. God calls us in to be witnesses. And he sets us in a jury box at the same time. And we can make judgments about things, but God is the final judge. We're supposed to test the spirits. That means judge them. Are they saying the truth? We're supposed to judge what's going on. You can tell a tree by its fruit. As the jury of what our life is going to be, I need to make judgments. If I'm following the right voice or if I'm following evil communication that's going to keep me from the wedding supper of the Lamb. What are you following today? Listen. Listen, Philip wants to see the Father. Do you want to see the Father? That's the finish line. Jesus is going to deliver us back to the Father's house, to a new body. At least he wants to know. He says, show us the Father and it's sufficient. What are you asking God to show you today? What is sufficient for you? These are really hard questions. Because when we go through life just doing whatever we want, we're saying this is sufficient. My fleshly life, I said a prayer, it's sufficient. It's not. Not if you're not pursuing life and godliness. Because that's all the Spirit of God is going to pursue is righteousness. Righteousness. Christ-likeness. The Spirit is here now with all the power, all the resources of heaven and earth, all the power, all authority. Jesus sends him back to take care of us. And then we go, oh, it's no use. I'm just flesh and blood. It's no use. I can't do this on my own. Those are all true answers. We have to surrender and die daily and allow the Spirit of God to further clothe us and give us a desire to go out and be the people of God. But we're too caught up in our flesh. And these are earthly decisions. Listen to me. We're choosing either the celestial heavenly things and bearing the image of Christ or we're choosing the terrestrial and we're going to bear the image of Adam for eternity. But make no mistake, we're going to spend that time someplace. What decisions are we making in our life? Show me the Father. That's what I want to see. Tell me more, Lord. Tell me more, Lord. Uncover it, Lord. Reveal it, Lord. Everybody wants to know about Revelation. That's what it's about. Revealing the Lord and His glory. And the end things. That's why it's called eschatology. The study of end things. What's your end game? 
You're going to keep listening to evil communication and letting the TV and letting the liars control your life? Or are you going to listen to the voice of God and be led by the Spirit of God and bear fruit that's godly so that you can receive your eternal dwelling in the heavenlies? I'm going to pop. Listen, so they're one. And he reveals that to those that he's intimate with. If you want to know truth, spend time and be intimate with Christ. That's how fruit is born, is intimately with social intercourse. That's true intercourse where the two become one. I want to know you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to sit here and pray. I'm going to ask you to help me die to my desires, die to my ways. Stop living the way I want to live and trust you. And that's where the two become one. Isn't that what happens in marriage? Supposed to. We don't do it right, so we don't have a good example. Like I said at my wife's celebration of life, when we got married, that was our funeral. We both were supposed to die. And the two became one, and now they have life. And it's the same thing with Christ. When the two meet, that's our funeral. The old man's dead with Christ crucified with christ and now the two become one and he ain't changing he's already perfect but he wants to change us from glory to glory he wants us to be transformed into his image to be just like him and that takes us changing our mind daily dying daily changing our mind every time we meet his truth so that we can go his way and we can enjoy the resurrection and the life. And he's not mad at us. He loves us. He's, he's reaching out to us even now. The same way he would give a piece of bread to Judas who he knows is going to go out and has his own plans. He would reach the bread of life, this word right now to us and say, be reconciled to God and trust me for your life. And then he moves them for a commitment. Verse 10, 14, 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. Authority is not in there. That's added for context. Notice it's in italics. He says, I do not speak them on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. And see, that's the same pattern that we're being given by the Holy Spirit. Now we're being told that the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to dwell in us. And that the Father, it's actually over in 1426. No, it's actually 14, sorry, 1423. I can't wait to get to it, but we're just not there yet. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our homes with him. Isn't that cool? But there, there is, there's a requirement there. And like six or eight times in that little bitty section, the word keep, guard, protect, retain my word is there. Well, we're not under law. We don't have to do anything but believe. If you believe, the Spirit comes in and teaches you to keep and guard and protect and lead you in the way everlasting. 
there still is some dying and some choices to be made. But we have all the power in the universe to do it with if we'll just choose to do it. So when he says the Father is in me and I in the Father, the two are one, and everything that he does, he's speaking not of his own. It's not self. It's not his own. It's, he's speaking it because the Father said it. He has a, he's, he's walking out the perfect plan, the perfect words, the perfect work of the Father in redemption. And he's that example. And you and I are supposed to do the same thing. And listen, we can't do it perfectly. We can't do it even practically unless we all work together as one. Because we are the body of Christ. We all learn the word of God together. We are accountable to one another. We wash one another's feet and we have different gifts and we all become that body with Christ as the head. And then when they see our love for one another, John 13, they know that we're his learners, his pupils, his followers, and they want to be part of it. And then they see this perfect picture of Jesus. I can't do it perfectly. I'm not a God. You're not a God. But all of us put together with the Spirit of God in us can be a perfect witness and give perfect testimony of Christ. And part of that is forgiving. So many people get mad at the pastor or mad at somebody and get up and leave the church instead of learning to be just like God who forgives. Learning to be like God who extends grace and mercy. And I'm glad our God didn't do that because that's not the image he's wanting us to have in the church. If it wasn't for evil communication, there would still be one big church. There would still be one invisible church. But evil communication has bloom, 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 made everybody go out and start their own little buildings and act like they have a way. There's only one way. It's Jesus. There's only one truth. It's Jesus. There's only one life, and it is Jesus. John 17, 3. We'll get there eventually. Listen to this. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life. What? What is eternal life? That they may know, gnosko, have intimacy, social intercourse with you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. He is life. He is the resurrection and the life. And then we don't want to know his word. We don't want to read his word. We don't want to spend time with him in prayer and fellowship with his people. This is the only way we're going to understand eternal life is fellowship. He's building a holy house. We're living stones, Peter tells us. And we're being chipped away at, fitted together, building a holy house for God. And yet, oh, I love God, but I don't like his people. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to fellowship. I don't want to do anything with those people. I know a lot of Christians like that. They're just mad at people. I'm not mad. I just don't want none of the evil communication where people are teaching an earthly, central, demonic gospel. That's no gospel at all. It's no gospel at all. And it's the one the devil wants us to have. That's why there's so many synagogues of Satan. So many churches that are teaching lies and deception. And they're building their own little kingdom on money. They're building their own little kingdom that's about what they have instead of about who they know. This is about a relationship of intimacy. 
growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how we partake of the holiness of him, Peter would tell us. I'm not going there. We're going to keep going here. He's not speaking on his own authority. All authority is given to him, Matthew 20, 18. All authority after he resurrected, all authority, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples, teach others, he would say. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I commanded you. What is the first command though? Baptizing them. When somebody's baptized, they identify. They go into a watery grave. They're raised up in the resurrection with him. And they're showing that they're going to repent and change their mind and obey God. And there's people that would teach you don't even need to be baptized. Or there's people that would teach that you're saved by baptism. You can't be saved by an earthly work. But if you are saved, you go out and do the workmanship that he created you to do. You'll be that witness. You'll become more Christ-like. You'll bear fruit if you allow the Spirit to do it. There's, it's impossible not to if you let the Spirit do it. And we all grow at different rates. Some 30, some 60, some 100-fold were taught in the Scriptures. We grow differently, but we die daily together. It's the Father who dwells in Him. Who dwells in us? See? See, literally, the Spirit dwells in us and is the guarantee. But if the Spirit dwells in us, Christ is the Spirit. And He just told us He's the Father. So it's God dwelling in us. It's God dwelling in us. And God's a Spirit. Because it's a spiritual kingdom. That's pretty amazing to me. I'm blown away by it. And he says, believe the words, 11, believe me that I am, believe me that I am in the Father, it is ego in me, but am is really not there, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Look at what is going on. Now, what's he saying? He's saying your works are evidence that can be believed, that you can tell a tree by its fruit. When you see what people are busy about, what they're working on, it's ergon, it's what they're occupied with, you can tell who is in you and who is the strength of your life by what you're occupied with. He's saying, look at this witness of the works I'm doing. He's always saying that. If you can't believe my work, look at my works that's the evidence listen to me so what we're occupied with is the evidence of who is dwelling in us and in control and authority over us but if christ dwells in you it's not only evidence but it's also power and ability to do the works that he called you to do Verse 12, most assuredly, listen, listen, I tell you the truth, verily, verily, I say to you, it's personal. He who believes, remember this is pistio, he who believes in me, that's it's already been used about four times now, and I haven't said what it was, it's, it's to commit, 
to trust, to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ. And then there's a constancy in it. It's not a one-time thing. There's a continual walk of constantly daily trusting Christ and committing to Him and dying to self and repenting and changing your mind when you meet truth because the evil communication is in us. Listen, we've all been raised in an evil world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one who's communicated lies to us and he's sowed uh, all kinds of lies into our heart, into our lives. Things that we still believe. Things that didn't even happen, but we think they believed. You know, we think they happened. How many times, I mean, I think everybody has a, a story in their life that they think happened, but it never happened the way they thought. It never even happened close to it. Didn't even happen. But because of our perceptual field and the way we've seen it as a little child or as a, as a young teenager, we're convinced that that happened. I've even seen grown men be convinced of it, and they tell that story for so much, they convince themselves it's true when it's a lie. Evil communications. I'm learning to only trust what God says. Don't trust what man says. And don't be upset when man lies to you or is not faithful because you just understand the works and the fruit is that they weren't living for God. They have turned from God at that moment. When they're not faithful, they're not living for Christ. They're rejecting the Holy Spirit's work in their life. And if they do that forever and go out, it will be night in their lives. Can I prove that? Yeah. Yeah, I can prove that. James chapter 5, last verse of James. James chapter 5. Let me prove that point to you really quick that you can go out and it can be night. Uh, it's last two verses, 19 and 20. Brethren, if anyone among you wonders, seduced, planeo, was led out of the way because you're listening to evil communication from the truth and someone turns him back, that means converts him, that means he changes his mind, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Listen, he said, brethren, if anybody wanders out of truth, because you were in truth, you can turn them back. I'm just saying, if you can turn them back, then they must have been able to turn away. Just saying. Verse 12, 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, pistio, you committed to me, you're trusting in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater than these he will do because I go to my Father. Notice I left out works. It's in italics. It's not referring to works there. That word is added. The authors tried to add it, or excuse me, the translators, and it actually confuses the point. There's greater things that we will do than Jesus did. By the way, do you know you can do stuff that Jesus can't do? You can lie. God can't lie. You can relent. God can't relent. There's things you can do that God can't do. I know, it was just a joke, but it's true. We can do everything. We can sin. God can't sin. Look what he says, though. He says we're going to do greater things things 
because he goes to the Father. And that's what he's going to introduce in our next lesson, is because he goes to the Father, he can send back the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And right now, see, he's doing a lot. There's people getting saved, but mainly all of his miracles are physical in nature. Because he heals the blind man. He heals the lame man. He's doing physical works on physical bodies so that they will understand that he is the Messiah. He's the Messiah of God. He is the coming one. But when the Holy Spirit comes, then you and I can have the power and the ability to go out and souls can be saved completely. He was saving souls. But we can go out and do a greater work. In fact, Peter goes and preaches one time in Acts 2, and 3,000 souls are converted. It doesn't mean that we're doing anything of ourselves, but it's because he goes away, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to use us for God's glory. Because we follow his pattern of dying and going to the grave and dying daily, the Holy Spirit can do greater works in the world because we take the message of the gospel to others. And he gives us that authority. In fact, he says it in John 20, 2022. He gives us authority to take the gospel. And then people have a choice. 2022, he tells them, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit to his disciples. But 2023, he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. He gives them authority to share the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if people receive it and believe their sins are forgiven, but if not then they're still in their sins. They're retained. So we can do greater things, uh, but it's because of the Spirit coming back, using us as we surrender, as He uncovers more truth, we draw near in intimacy, we can bear more fruit and make disciples, and more people can go out with the same gospel because of the disciples that are made. Jesus is in one place here, even though we know that the Spirit's everywhere. And then he's going to die and send back the Spirit to live in every person, every heart that believes as a guarantee. That's greater work. That's more things being done and reaching more people than one man standing in a boat speaking to one crowd. Certainly greater. And certainly he's still healing physically and spiritually. But it's because the channel is, is because he goes back to the father's house waiting on us to be adorned as a bride. Verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Notice ask is twice. He says it twice and we'll close up. Ask in my name. Ask is the word Aito, I think. And it means to pray, to beg, to crave, to desire, to require. You're, you're, and prayer is a place of dependency. Notice he goes, oh, well, hey, I was praying for a car. Nobody gave me a car. I'm done with God in my name. What's his name? Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's the word uh, on Oma. 
This is the qualifier, his name. It's his character, his nature, his will, his authority, his desire. He's talking to his intimate disciples, those that are married to him and following him. They haven't went out pursuing the world. He's talking to those that are right there with him, wanting to do the work, wanting to learn. And he's saying, if you ask according to my desires, what I'm already doing, the salvation of souls, I'll do it. It has to be according to his will, not according to what we want, according to his will. But even when you pray for grandma's soul, even when you pray for your kids, guess what? It's not going to be in your time. It's his time. It's not going to be your way. It's his way. Well, I pray for my son. I pray he would stop drinking and stop doing that. He would get saved. Well, he might have to go to jail and be in prison for a few days. He might have to go through some really hard stuff first and fall further but if you get in the way of what God's doing, you hold up the timing of what God's doing. So we need to trust people to God in prayer and trust that God loves them and that none are lost except for the son of perdition. And if they are going to believe in Jesus, get out of the Holy Spirit's way. We always put a pillow underneath our kids' heads because we think that's good. We're helping them. We're protecting them. And that's a very difficult thing for mothers. It's not as hard for fathers. Ah, let him go. He can be homeless for a while. I don't care. Maybe I'll teach him a lesson or two. That doesn't mean that that's good. We want our goodness to be known to all men. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Use the wisdom of God with the Spirit of God on all men. Compassion on some. Fear on others. Hating the garment defiled by the flesh. Listen to me. But don't get in the way. I prayed and then I got in the way. I keep praying, but I keep getting in the way. I'm praying, but I'm getting in God's way. No, pray according to his desire and trust him. Commit to him. Wait on him. He's going to do the work. But what you're supposed to do is be faithful in letting him change you so that you'll be the right witness and you're not going to be the reason they go, oh, I would go to church, but my parents were mean to me. Really? So you're going to go to hell because your parents are mean to you. That's a really rational decision you just made there. I'm going to burn in hell forever because my parents were mean. That's a really wise thing. Let's, let me sit next to your wisdom for a while. See, it doesn't make sense, but when we get in the way, there's nothing wrong with being with peace with all men. If your kids think you were mean to them, apologize to them. Oh, now, Greg, that's not the way. Listen. If they're grown adults now, apologize to them and say, I'm sorry for my part. I didn't know. I'm living for Jesus now. And if I did that wrong, I'm sorry. But don't blame me for your problems now because if you knew it was wrong, you're grown enough to get right now. The devil just wants us to all be victims. That's evil communication again. We're all victims. We're all going to die. Everybody get out of the boat. Really? You're afraid of the water, but you're going to get out of the boat? See, none of that wisdom works. When you start following things to its logical conclusion, the earthly, central, demonic wisdom, that's all it is. It's a lie. It leads to death. It doesn't help you. There is no solution. But Jesus came to save. You can trust him. You can trust him. Are you asking? Are you praying? Are you trusting him? That's what he's talking about, praying. Praying. What are you praying about? 
Are you looking to be... Now listen, because people say, oh, in Jesus' name. You don't have to say Jesus' name. It's another one of those things of culturality. I don't have any problem with it. I say Jesus' name all the time. But if I'm in his house, I'm living for him. I'm married to him. My life is dedicated to him. Everything that I'm doing is I'm trying to use his word and do his works. I am living according to his character, his nature, his will, his authority. I'm back in his house. I represent him as a witness, as his bride. That right there is in his name. It's according to what he's been doing all along. What's that? Saving souls. And if that's my whole chief purpose in life is to glorify God because he gave his most prized possession to save souls, your life becomes a prayer. Your life becomes a surrender. Your life becomes someone who is living to do the will of God so that he will be glorified just like Jesus did. Jesus did it perfectly. We can't do it perfectly, but we're trying to learn how to be completed to do it perfectly. So we don't make the same mistakes over and over and over. So if you're asking anything in his name, he's going to do it. But it's according to his will. What is God's will for your kids? What is God's will for your life? Your sanctification. It's your will. To be sanctified, washed and cleansed, and be the perfect bride of Christ. Because he's got a house for you. You don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be freaked out. You can trust him. He knows what's going on. He already knew it two weeks ago, two years ago. He knew it before eternity started. What was going to happen in your life tomorrow? Isn't that the one you want to lead you out of the grave? the one that's already been in the grave, the one that's already been to heaven. I don't want some evil communication telling me how to get to heaven that's never been to heaven. I don't want some evil communication telling me how to come out of the grave and be washed and cleansed that's never been in the grave. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This word is what we need to listen to. As we hear his spirit speak to the church, it'll always line up with this word. He's not saying anything new. He's already spoken. As they say, if it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. He's the ancient of days. His plan of salvation, his testimony, nothing has changed. And that's what the premise is for next week's lesson, verse 15. If you serve me, love me, guard my commandments. Guard my authoritative prescription for life. Guard Jesus. Guard his name. You do it in prayer. You do it by the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Spend time daily in intimacy and bear fruit. Fruit worthy of repentance. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for calling us out of darkness. Thank you that you have a new dwelling place for our spirit to go in heavenly places to be with you forever. Thank you that soon and very soon in a twinkling of an eye, these corruptible bodies that are weak and frail and broken and hurt and they're in pain, they're going to put on incorruptible and there'll be no more tears or pain or suffering. And we're not worried about a mansion, Lord. We know we probably won't even sleep there. So why would we need a house? other than the one that you provide that perfectly fits everything that we're going to be doing then. 
Lord, for your glory, for eternity, for such a time as this, we surrender to you now. Pour out your spirit and have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Desire.